In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Hi, all. Nicole here. This podcast is intended to inspire you on your personal spiritual journey to inner peace. I am not a psychologist or a medical doctor and do not offer any professional health or medical advice. This applies to the podcast guests and or co-hosts. If you are suffering from a psychological or medical condition, please seek help from a qualified health professional. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. Mysticism. Hello, Psychic listeners. Welcome to another episode of A Psychic Story. For this episode, we have Dr. Daniel Atkins, and we are going to talk about intuitive psychology. But before we get into that, I want to welcome Daniel to the show. Welcome. Hi, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Of course. Very excited to dive into this, but I'm sure you've listened to some episodes by now and you know that we always start with the person's background and story and how they got into it. And you have a very interesting one indeed. So please, the floor is yours. Okay. Yeah. Telling the story is always interesting because it it, it always goes as far back as we can remember, really, even if there are um, really bright moments that, that proved to be pivotal. So I came into the world and, and I've come to know over time that I just came in with a really dysregulated or just really sensitive nervous system. So I had, uh, lots of tantrums as a kid was, um, just very uncomfortable in my body. You know, as I sort of in grad school, when I was learning about the autism spectrum, I was like, oh, you know, a lot of that uh, resonates with what I, I ripped all the tags out of my shirt. I just, I had debilitating stomach aches. There was a lot of stuff going on in my body uh, that I later come to, uh, came to uh, conceptualize through the lens of trauma, but it's, you know, um, that word can be very all-encompassing. But so from that experience, you know, it just led to a lot of challenges. I had a lot of uh, eventually I got a lot of psychiatric diagnoses, anxiety, depression, OCD, ADHD, pretty much anything you could give to a kid. I got it. Um, couldn't pay attention, couldn't behave. You know, I struggled. I struggled. And the the element of that experience that that really stuck with me over time was just the intensity of my emotions. Um, they just seemed to be more intense than other, than other people. I, I, I couldn't know that for sure, but they pervaded my view. Like it was, 
you know, it was, it was front and center, my emotional experience. And I could sense other people's inner worlds as well. I didn't know how to make sense of it at the time. Um, and I'm sure everyone's experienced, you know, walking into a room and feeling, uh, feeling the energy of the room, um, the vibe of the people. It was, it was very intense for me. Um, anywhere, uh, any person I was with, an environment I was in, I was sensing the intensity of my own, what I would call energy or energetic field or, or emotion energy and, and that of others. So that really, uh, came to dominate. And over time I did lots of things to cope with that. I didn't know that that's what I was coping with, but I, I sought out substances, used lots of drugs. I did lots of things to try to, um, manage that inner experience so I could, so I could be social. So I could let the, the very naturally, uh, passionate and vibrant person that I am shine and not be, uh, dimmed by a lot of the stimulation that kind of, um, kept me stuck and, you know, moving ahead a bit after college, I was still coping with a lot of this. Um, I, again, I didn't necessarily have the language for it or know what I was experiencing. I eventually got really sick. Um, and, and that became one of these pivotal turning points. Um, it didn't feel like a medicine or an invitation to grow at the time. It felt like a death sentence and, and it was, it was rough, but it did lead me to change pretty much every aspect of my life. Um, I just totally cleaned up my lifestyle. Um, at the time I really had, had no idea what I wanted to do in life or how I could really find success in my own way. But I had been drawn to psychology. I studied psychology in grad school. Um, and, and that ultimately just, just that sickness out of desperation led me to continue healing and learning about myself and my body and my mind. And it ultimately led me back to grad school, uh, where I studied to, and, and became, well, eventually became licensed as a, as a clinical psychologist. And, and so I was on this path. I thought I'd found my, my thing. I really, once I found psychology, I was like, okay, I think <laughs> I was meant to be, you know, in the healing profession. Like I've struggled with all this stuff and, you know, people have always liked to talk to me and have, have mentioned that they could share with me. And, and so it, 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 it was fitting. It was fitting after years of confusion and, and, and trying different things. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a psychotherapist like that, that fits. And it, and it, and it fit better than anything had before, but I continued to get sick and, and I actually study, I, I, you know, because of my own personal experience, I wrote my dissertation on the diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome, which is what I had received. And I got introduced to a lot of psychologically minded doctors who are exploring what I would call mind body medicine. And it was still, even though a lot of research and, and a lot had been written about it at that time, it was still pretty new when I was in, yeah, I wasn't learning about it in school. It was my own personal journey that led me to pursue that. So I was still pushing. I was still expanding. I, I, I found this world where I could be effective and I was, I am a, a, a pretty good therapist and I kind of knew it, um, had a pretty big ego about it and definitely um, was still attempting to validate all of these conditioned beliefs I had about being good enough, being smart enough, which I never felt as a kid because of all the things going on. So I did really well academically and and I was learning these theories. Uh, I was trained in uh, psychoanalysis and, and early attachment theory. And so it, it all seemed to be going well. And I got 
um, the internship that I'd really wanted. It was, it was really competitive, was at this clinic working with really young kids and, and families and high conflict couples. And, and it was all cool. And yet I was still getting sick and I was still, and at that point it had been like 10 years and I was getting sick, um, every week. Um, so I'd gotten percentages better, but it was pretty, it was debilitating. And, and throughout that time, you know, I, in retrospect, I, I can look back at experiences that I had energetically, um, emotionally that clued me into what you might call some gifts uh, or capacities that I was taking in or absorbing that weren't really supporting me at the time, um, but but that I could see uh, could be leaned into. And my mother, who was really the the one who introduced me to energy healers and people with different ways of knowing um, who might call themselves different things like intuitives and shamans and clairvoyants, had kept, you know, nudging me like, you know, I know you're doing the psychology thing, but you're still struggling a lot. So why not consider meeting with this person? And, you know, so I would just say yes, just to appease her. Be like, sure, mm-hmm. I'll have a past life reading or <laughs> sure, I'll meet with this clairvoyant. And, you know, but the thing is, um, I always had a powerful experience, like immediately meeting with some of these healers. I could just feel it in my body. I could feel shifts. I could feel an opening energetically that I'd never felt in a traditional therapy setting or any other um, sort of healing experience that I'd had. So it kept building and pointing me and pulling me this way. And I was pretty resistant. I was like, no, I'm a psychologist. (laughs) I have these theories. This is how you do this work. And it was, and so for a while I was like, I was doing this energy work because it's what was working for me. Even though I, I had years of traditional therapy and I was doing it I was juggling it until it came to a point where my therapist was actually getting quite jealous that I was kept talking about all these other modalities <laughs> and I had to leave that therapy because, you know, it's a longer <laughs> story, but, but, but it says a lot about the field. And, uh, but I was trying to sort of do that for myself and yet then show up at work and do this other thing. And, um, I still remember one healer who was very powerful for me said like, yeah, you can, you can keep trying to stay in a box as this really traditional therapist, but you're going to keep getting sick. And, and when she said it, I was just like, yeah, oh, yeah gosh. I, can, <laughs> I can see that. I can, I can see that. Yeah. And I, you know, no one, um, I knew no one was going to understand, not really anyone in this. I mean, there are people all along the spectrum of healing, but in the field that I was in, when you're training to be a clinical psychologist, you know, it's not something you hear people talking about a lot. Maybe in the future you will. I hope that, that with what I offer, you know, I I can be a bridge, but, um, but, and so it just happened, um, very poignantly, serendipitously, like, like a time in my life I had been studying for months um, to finally reach like the pinnacle of what everyone is working for, at least at first, which is uh, to become licensed, this terrible exam that you have to cram for months for. And after I passed, you know, my supervisors and people at the clinic were like, oh, you know, congratulations. You're like one of the youngest to do it here and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Like, I got the degree, the certifications. I, I'm done. I'm in, I'm out. <laughs> it was really, you know, and this is just the past like two years of my life. It was so, I've reflected at several points, like if I wasn't being guided by something, there's no other explanation for why I would have done all this stuff. Cause it was crazy and painful and scary and yet I just had to. And, and the, the, the fact that I was healing in my body 
gave me so much conviction. And, and I, I work with, you know, I still work with some people um, who come to me um, in pain, although it's not, it's not the focus of what I do anymore, but it's a part, you know, a branch of the trauma tree. And when you start to feel the, the lack of conviction you have when you're suffering in that way is immense. And when you start to see the possibility, the light for healing, I mean, that conviction, it just, it's, it's limitless. Anything is possible. So when I started to heal, I was like, I was willing to do just about anything. It, it just made sense that I had to pursue that. So um, through a series of events, I, I left my clinic. I started uh, writing a lot. Um, and I just started working independently. I was getting referrals from some of the connections I'd made in the mind-body field. So I was working with people in pain. But, um, but as I started to heal this capacity that I have likely always had and that people, you know, when I'd met with clairvoyance, they'd been like, you know, you're really psychic, <laughs> right? Like you, you could probably explore it. And at the time I was like, oh, that's super cool. It's validating. I don't know what it means. And I'm, you know, think I'm, I don't think that's what I'm going to pursue, but thanks for saying that. Um, and yet when I, when I really started to heal uh, the body and the mind, because a lot of the manifestations in my body were from all this fear conditioning in my nervous system, which I could talk about, you know, I relate to ancestral lineage and things like that. But um, yeah, my whole life had been led by fear. Even up until the point where I was having success, it was still fear driven. It was an attempt to, you know, be good enough, be smart enough, um, prove my worth as a therapist or whatever. And leaving that clinic was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm done with this this path. I'm done with seeking validation and approval. And it goes back to the original group, the family, you know, and my parents and all that. And I just I I was taking my power back, um, which I think really is a crucial part of 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 all of our healing journeys. And along that way, I just started and I was working with someone who was very intuitive and and was and was guiding me and so I was checking in with myself. I'd experienced like muscle testing uh which was really fascinating for me that you could just sort of like you know they refer to it as kinesiology mm -hmm. reading the body but I, I really think underneath that it's it's just an intuitive process and so I was I was calling it what I was doing muscle testing. I was checking in with myself seeing if I, I could get yes or no's. It was all playing out, you know, it was just, you know, low stakes, like what should I have for dinner? You know, things <laughs> like that. Um, and then, you know, and I had had a pretty strong meditation practice for a, a lot of my life, but it wasn't until I started healing in this way that I could feel energy flowing through my body. I started having experiences I couldn't explain. Like I would call them emotion seizures because it felt like this intense energy was, was flooding through me. The mornings used to be the worst time felt like I had COVID actually. And I listened to one of your recent episodes where you, where you talked about having it. It felt like that. And, and yet the, I, the morning became transformed. I started waking up really, I wake up at like 4.30 now. Um, I have a pretty extensive morning practice and, and just these, these unexplainable sort of transformative experiences started happening that were just moving me forward. And so this was all all leading me somewhere that that I couldn't explain, but I started meditating before clients and I started getting visions of um, maybe just metaphors or, or pictures of their face, emotions that they were carrying. And I would never bring it in. I still had, you know, I still use a lot of what I was trained in and how to, how to relate to people and 
and things like that, although it's shifted, um, but it was a, it was messy because I was letting go. I didn't even want to call myself a psychologist. I didn't, I was in this very transitional place. So at the time, were you being doing psychology? Is that the clients that were coming to you? I got licensed and in many ways I was still a psychologist. I, I probably the only, the, uh, the concrete difference was that I had left the clinic that I was working at and I started working independently and I stopped taking insurance because, you know, so a lot of, uh, what psychologists do, uh, in terms of diagnosis gets, gets intimately tied to insurance. Like if you're going to take it, you have to diagnose. And there, and so there were a few reasons why I left. Like it wasn't just, um, that this intuitive piece was showing up. I realized that I no longer wanted to diagnose people because I just, I, I had always been very resistant to, and I was very resistant supervisee and I challenged everyone, <laughs> everyone that, you know, tried to teach me things. And so just like when I said, how would you like me to introduce you? And you were like, <laughs> exactly. that's where it's coming from. Yeah. Okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have, yeah, I have that for sure, for sure have my own way, <laughs> trying to be more, you know, my own lessons mm -hmm. of, of opening and flexibility. But, but there just was a piece of me that was like, you, you, you need to create space for yourself. Like you just need to create space for something within you to come through and you can collaborate and you can work with other people, but it needs to start by clearing out space. And when you go through something like grad school, it's just you know, books and people are just, throwing things at you to absorb. And I absorbed some of it, but, but not all of it. And those diagnoses never helped me. And I just, and, and I just, and, and I do understand that I'm, I'm at, on one point of the spectrum and people can use, uh, people can be at all kinds of points on the spectrum with, with labeling in general. And some, some labels can be useful though. For me, labels can appear to be uh, a relief, a savior at first. And though they end up being their own form of imprisonment is what I found because we use these diagnostic labels. They're not speaking to the essence of people, to the essence of human beings. They're speaking to behavioral criteria, um, symptoms, and symptoms can mean lots of things. The fact that we just categorize them and call them uh, I call it an anxiety disorder. That's just one way that we could understand what the symptoms are communicating. Yeah. And why? That's <laughs> like the big part, yeah, right? And why? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And why? You know? So it's like, okay, so you got the label. And for a lot of people who are very confused and disheartened and, and particularly people in pain too, because it crosses over to the medical side, particularly when you had, like for me, you know, uh, I was overcome with all these widespread body and pain, fatigue symptoms, and there was no label. So I was like, you know, so a lot of people are in that position, like, but what is this? What is this? And so you get the label and you're like, ah, someone knows what this is, but it's an illusion. They don't, they've just called it something now. They've, and I and you know, and so for the diagnosis I received, there's no biomedical etiology. There's no, the history of the, the label is, is very messy and, and, and a natural way that we want to make sense of our experience, but it falls short. And so then I, I was, I was very sensitive to the issues that were playing out in the field, which is people get attached to the labels and clinicians get attached to the labels and then they assign their mode of treatment mm -hmm. based on the label. So, oh, so you have this personality disorder. So I have this form of treatment that's going to, it's going to work with, or this drug. And it, and it just starts to, the core seems to be around the label. I also feel it's a little bit of the opposite too. Like, so for me, um, I had depression starting when I went to college 
right? <laughs> College is a theme here for us. But when I went to school and there, there was that whole experience and I went to therapy, I went to doctors, I went to all these things, like different moments. It wasn't like I was depressed my whole life, but I had these, these crushing blows on occasion. And it wasn't until finally after talking to, I don't know, the upteenth doctor where I was like, can you just tell me what you think it is that I had have? Um, why am I continuing to get this depression? Not necessarily the label of it, but like, what's the cause of it? The why? And I like, I had to repeat back to them. And then they were like, well, your anxiety, like you have this anxiousness and then that anxiety, if you're not dealing with it, it ends up triggering the depression. And I was like, okay, great. Why couldn't someone have told me this forever ago? Now I get the reason of sometimes not just because they said the same thing, like, well, we don't really want to label it or like diagnose. And I was like, but then I can, I can be self-aware that I'm having anxiety. right? Then I can start to be self-aware of, okay, what is maybe causing the anxiety, which I started to go and understand it was a deeper, it was not leaning into my intuition, my spirituality, my psychicness. So I can say that for me. I don't know if that was for you, but it sounds like as I'm listening to you, it was a little bit of that too, not necessarily being able to lean in to what you were experiencing, but also releasing some of that other stuff that like the trauma, the other things, the emotions that was holding you down. Is that accurate? Yeah. And I would say for pretty much all human beings, we could say that a core aspect of our suffering is not being able to tolerate or be with our experience. That's, that's really like at the root of so much. And and there's so much anxiety. I, you know, that what those doctors said to you, that's, you know, that's one theory that's, you know, it's something, and and doctors, a lot of medical doctors are not super (laughs) well-versed in um, the realm of emotions. It's changing now. I just felt like I just was talking, 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 talking. They were giving me medicine, but no one was giving me any sort of answers or tools or ways to move forward out of it. And finally, I was like, okay, time out. So, you know, which is why I'm talking to you. (laughs) One of the main reasons. Yeah. And I have and I have friends who are medical doctors and they'll say like, we don't we're not prepared because because all they see is trauma. All they see is trauma. You know, regardless of what people are coming in for headaches, whatever, people will start talking about their trauma and they're like, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't know what to do. It's like funny, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. Mm-hmm. They don't, it's starting to change now, but they, they haven't been um, prepared for it. But, but yeah, so it's why I tried every form of, of escape, all the obsessions and compulsions, the drugs, the, it was all a way to, to escape the, the deep resonance in my being that was super sensitive and super hard to be. And, and now, you know, we have more tools. My parents didn't really have those tools. They didn't, you know, my dad was interested in Buddhist philosophy, but it wasn't. And so I discovered some things that I, I resonate and, and, and speak to now, but I didn't, I didn't know how to integrate them at the time. And so, yeah, I was deeply depressed and anxious and there are, there are like two sides of the same coin. But from my experience, a lot of recognizing intuitive capacity and leaning into our gifts is working through the scar tissue of our fear conditioning and, and our anxiety. And, and even when it was, when the, when I was recognizing the capacities, all the fears and doubts, which, and, and as I started to take these larger leaps, which led me to moving across the country and all, you know, and where I'm at now, uh, it was a long, messy journey and super scary, but working through a lot of the fear and the conditioning is what just continues to open up our path. So I really see that um, as the the essence of, of, of the healing journey, which I would parallel to, you know, discovering our gifts. 
Well, you say something that's sticking out that what was popping in my head was that whole, I don't want to say it was harmful to us, but that whole mentality of probably when our dads and our parents were going through the things that they were was mind over matter, right? Like your, your intentions and your mindset are so important. But what, when I look back at, at least when I was growing up, when that was happening, um, you know, my dad tried to do it because he was trying to toughen me up. Cause I was such a sensitive kid. I would cry if, you know, somebody stepped on an ant kind of thing. So I had to kind of live, you know, my life and function in the world. But at the end of the day, it's like, Oh, you know, mind over matter or like this, that, and the other. And it really, it just represses our emotions. It represses our feelings and or any sort of trauma experiences that we're going through. And it doesn't allow us to like embrace that and to release it and let it go. And just, to, you know, that repression of everything. And so now I'm feeling, and thankfully, at least I'm seeing some of the medical community turn a corner a little bit, is that intersection between not just the mind-body matter, but also the emotional aspect and how holistic practitioners hopefully can start to work with, with each other within the community, the medical community as a whole. We're not there yet, but at least we're starting. <laughs> yeah, and I think the beauty of that, and I, I do think the word uh, trauma has become so buzzy that it loses a bit of its mm-hmm. meaning, which is why it's important to explain it. I will say the benefit of that word is that a lot of doctors have started to see, oh, okay, there's there's some roots here. And um, you know what I like to say is that no one escapes childhood unscathed. No one does. It doesn't matter if you've had acute instances, you know, of abuse or neglect, or you just felt like you had a pretty good childhood. Like no one escapes unscathed because that's just not how it works. Like we don't come in as blank slates and we're carrying generations you know, go back one, two, three generations, like it didn't get better. So it just makes sense that this, this transmission, this lineage, it's playing out. And those are, you know, to connect it to sort of the spiritual philosophy I've started to embody is that, you know, these are the lessons that we came to learn, uh, dropped into this lineage, not randomly, but, but to, to learn what, what our ancestors were, were attempting to learn and what we are the current sort of evolution and expansion of, And so, you know, for me, my dad actually, it is that way for a lot of people, particularly with a male identity, but my dad, he wasn't exactly the, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. He, he was very sensitive. He struggled with some substances of his own. Um, and he want, both my parents wanted to be there, but they were coping with their own stuff. Like my mother's, my mother had, had a lot of trauma. She, um, both her parents died like right around when I was born, but, but the experience, um, you know, I won't go into all the details, but she felt like she had to be walking on eggshells and stuff. And I was the firstborn. So there was just a lot of stuff that was unre- for, for most, for everyone in that generation, <laughs> because no one really mm-hmm. knew that they were even supposed to be exploring this, you know? Um, so there was just a lot of stuff they were coping with. And, um, you know, as the firstborn, I received some of <laughs> the experimentation of parenting before, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> They had learned any lessons. Raising my hand. And, uh, <laughs> and so there just wasn't a lot of space for my stuff. And, but, but it's not just them. I think we do fall into a trap of like, these are all, you know, our parents messed us up and these are all the reasons why. And, but I came in with stuff. Right. I came in with stuff that was playing out. So mm-hmm. it is this, this dance. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, we're all attempting to heal our child wounds. That's kind of. That's kind of the deal. (laughs) Well, and our past life wounds too. So that's just, let's add another layer. But I want to go back to something you said, which uh, I'm sorry, we got a little bit off track. I 
I interrupted you, but when you were talking about the meditations that you were going through and how you were feeling that you were starting to finally release things or open up, I don't remember the exact language that you were using and then something was coming through. So talk a little bit about that and how you, um, one on a personal level, were starting to tune in and release and heal. But then when you turned the corner and wanted to start to do what you're doing now, which is a combination of the intuitive psychology. Yeah. So the first way it started to really, you know, I know people talk about, I'm not super like well-versed in the, the labels and stuff that different kinds of like clairvoyance. The clairs, it's okay. You know, that kind of, <laughs> the clair, yeah, I, I don't know, you know, but um, I know that I felt things really deeply in my body. And that was sort of the first awakening for me was actually uh, it was, I first got introduced to this kind of energy-based work uh, called network chiropractic work. It doesn't necessarily be- seem to belong in the chiropractic family because it's not about cracking at all. They, they're they very lightly, t- they're actually just using their intuition and energy to help create flow and alignment in the nervous system. And I w- started having psychedelic experiences like on the table. I was like bursting out laughing. I, I felt all my symptoms vanish instantly. And so there was you know, I don't think that any tool is the answer, but that was an entryway for me into like, oh, there's something. And I kind of knew on on some level, like a lot of the manifestations of my pain and sickness were trauma, were other stuff. And a lot of clinicians know that too. They just don't necessarily know how to take you there because mm-hmm. um, it's mysterious. Um, but this this modality, like it just it cracked me open. I was like, oh my God. So I was just, I could feel this, yeah, this intense light energy. It was like I was discovering my energetic body for the first time. Like, oh, this has always been here, just layered over by all my, you know, um, physical and emotional blockages and all this stuff. It it was like someone had just, you know, cleared the clouds and I could just see my essence more clearly and feel it. And so at that same time I had read, I was discovering Dr. Joe Dispenza, who uh, is, you know, really um, powerful figure in the energy world. He's on my nightstand right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he was trained as a chiropractor too. Is is interesting who is drawn to that field, but he had his own healing journey and awakening, and um, you know, he does really cool work. And but 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 what really carried over for me was his style of meditation, which was really energy based, and he was you know, putting electrodes on people's brains and showing what was happening. And when I started intentionally practicing with that kind of visualization, you know, I'd I'd practiced a more traditional Buddhist kind of meditation, which is what my father introduced me to. And I'd done silent retreats and stuff like that, but I wasn't, I wasn't getting anywhere. And some people might say, well, you're not supposed to get somewhere. And I would disagree. I'd say, we're all trying to get somewhere, whether you, whether you acknowledge it or not. And, um, you know, my thinking was painful and I just hadn't healed enough. So, but at this point with the visualizations and just, I think this awareness that this energy existed in me, you know, when we just bring intention and awareness to what we're doing, it changes the quality of the experience. So the meditation started to change. Um, I started to access these states of like bliss that I really, and you know, I'd done lots of drugs and things like that. <laughs> Nothing really touched this that I could just access within me. It was it mind-blowing, really mind-blowing. And um, from there, you know, you know, I just, now you know, I, meditation, it's, it's just so important. And it's really, I think in all healing modalities, 
Um, all healing happens in the present. And meditation is another one of those words that's that gets really buzzy. So when you say it to people, they're either like, oh, it's oh, that's for me, I do that, or that's definitely not for me. Um, but there's a lot of room under the umbrella of what that means, and it's changed a lot for me. So I started tuning in, I would say, um, you know, before meeting with people, and the intuition was growing. I just started to know things and um it was playing out. And then at a certain point, I just started hearing spirit guides. Like, I, I don't even really know. I can't say when it happened, you know, when I started even using that language with my parents, they were like, <laughs> and I was like, How did you hear them? <laughs> was it in your head? Was it like telepathic? Was it physical hearing? How how do you hear them? Or then and, then and now? It's a good question. I, uh, you know, I don't. No, depending on what you mean by those words, like physically and telepathically, like I, I hear them in the same way that I hear the voice in my head, but they're different voices. The, the energy, it feels different. I can feel, um, different guides. They have a different resonance. They say different things, things that I don't think I would have known. Although, you know, I've wrestled with this because, you know, I'm still, uh, I'm still interested in psychology and things like that. So I'm like, uh, and I would, I asked a healer once, I was like, am, is my brain really just translating what, right, yeah. these, <laughs> what, what these sources are? And, and that, that helped me because I was like, I don't know. And like most people, how do I know I'm not just making all this up? Honestly. <laughs> yeah. People ask me that all the time. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't prove it to anyone. Mm-hmm. And at, I, at this point I realized that that's not the point. I don't need to prove it. Although for a time, my ego and my ego still shows up and I wanted to prove to my parents that I that this was happening to me. I wasn't making this up. But anytime I tried to use intuition or things like that uh, out of integrity, you know, with a sense of wanting to prove it, it didn't work and it blew up my face. And, you know, and so I kind of learned those lessons, but it continued to happen. And, and I would say to them, like to my parents, like, look, I know how this sounds like if if you told me the the version of me a year ago that these are the things I would be talking about, I'd be like, I may not have dismissed it outright because I'm a pretty open person, but I would have just said, that's just not my experience. So I mm-hmm. can't really speak mm-hmm. to that. It's just not my experience. I, and at that point, I was still open to other people doing it. Right, I right. met with other people and, and it was powerful for me. So I was I didn't know how to make sense of it, but I was like, I think they just have other ways of knowing because <laughs> I had experiences yeah. with a shaman where she created space for all this emotional trauma just to, and I was just burst out crying all this. So I was having these experiences, but I would have said for me personally, it's, that's not my experience. And then it, and then it just was. It just turned on. So you said that it was just like one day they just started talking to you. I think, I think it was through some exposure to the idea that that happened again, this, this really very, um, intuitive healer named Michelle Sinet was someone I was working with pretty closely at the time. And and she, she, she said that, you know, she would, she would never, um, reveal like so explicitly about her gifts, but they were plentiful. But I could tell that she was, she would just pause sometimes and be like, hold on, I'm just going to, I'm listening to your guides. I'm like, All right, cool. And, um, so I was aware of it. And then maybe, maybe she said to me at some point, you know, when you, when you'll start hearing, and I was like, I, I think the idea was just planted. And I think maybe I just asked one day, like, uh, you know, if, if guides were there for me and, um, <laughs> they were, <laughs> yeah, I wish I, I yeah, I kind of wish I wrote down the experience cause I don't it's okay. remember when it started happening, but, but at some point it, it did. And, and, you know, layers always 
with all of these experiences, layers of doubt and layers of fear and layers of skepticism because, you know, I just wasn't sure what was happening. But then, you know, sometimes I would hear their names or I would just... I, different things would, would become a bit clear over time, although it was ebbs and flows because when I would go into places of deep doubt and questioning of my path, I couldn't hear very well. The inter- I wasn't being guided because the, because the, the noise, it's like, it's like tuning a radio dial and with the fear conditioning, it gets really staticky and you're not able to hear and, and, and you doubt what you do hear. And so I just think that's part of the journey because again, I don't think that that that's a powerful source of knowledge and, and wisdom that is coming through. But just like anything else, I don't think it's meant to be relied on for all the answers. It's a, it's a support for what's emerging within to, um, to really unpack and, and become centered with clarity and conviction in this inner wisdom. So, you know, I've, I ebbed and flowed with it. And in the way that it showed up in my work, like it just started to become more prevalent over time. And I started to speak more openly, like people that were referred to me, they might've come just for pain. And I was like, by the way, I I work a bit differently. (laughs) I work a bit more intuitively. I'll check in. And they were like, tell me about this. Hmm? Sometimes, although a lot of times they were like, I don't care. That doesn't make any (laughs) sense to me. Can you, can you help me with my pain is basically all they cared about. But, but what, what started to happen was that as they started to heal, they started to become more intuitive. And that had never happened to me before working with, but my sense is that as I was open to that in myself and and I use the word frequency a lot, that's what comes to me, as my frequency started to expand, um, it created access for theirs. And so I would, I use my own style of meditation a lot. I can get back to how Joe's work influenced me, but but um, I, I started using it a lot in in my work and would just invite inquiry, like, you know, asking them to ask questions to themselves, you know, the heart space and things like that. You're helping them tune into themselves, right? Yeah. And ancestral trauma started to show up, past lives started to show up, things that I was shocked about. I was like, oh my God, this is happening. And they were shocked about it. They were like, is this real? I don't know what's... <laughs> and, you know, and it was, it was wild stuff. I remember some sessions that were like, this is, I, I don't, cause it wasn't that, you know, I just was guided to invite the space and with intention and awareness. And then I started to, and so, and, and with the support of guides, like they were, I was hearing like ancestral lineages is where, is where it, it, it's not everything that I meant to do, but it was going to be a part of it. And I sense it's a part of it because it's accessible to people who, even if you don't necessarily, you know, buy into the in, intuition and the guides and stuff like that, helping people. And I think that's why I'm, I'm a good bridge because I can speak both languages and, you know, speaking about trauma, like it makes sense to people that if you go generations back, you know, there are these lineages we're carrying and you can see the reenactments playing out. Well, there's that. And there's also like stats and data out there now, like medically that they say that we Mm -hmm. hold, um, you know, the emotional trauma of our mothers, like, because we're in the womb, there's actually DNA that they've been able to like track what that emotion is, that molecule. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know, but you know, and I'm, and I was like, it blows my mind, not because I'd never believed it, but, but, but because there was never medical fact up until recently. And when I saw that, I was like, finally, hallelujah. And I'm sharing it with all my other friends. Like you would be one I would probably have shared it with. And everyone's like, well, yeah, duh, but I don't need the proof. I'm like, well, sometimes it is nice to have the proof medically, right. Or scientifically. 
for me. Exactly. And that's because a lot of people do need the proof. And this is, I'll, like, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Yeah, please do. I'm writing a book. And so I'm doing a lot of this research myself on, you know, uh, what a lot of people call it as the epigenetics that, of that trauma. Was, that or, was the word or, I couldn't think of. Yeah, the epigenetics. Yeah, or epigenetic inheritance mm-hmm. or what we might just call you know, the intergenerational or transgenerational transmission of human experience. Cause it's, cause it's in everyone. And I think, so like what the research will, you know, so my ancestry is Jewish and a lot of, um, a lot of the research, they'll point to like these big, you know, really traumatic events like the Holocaust. And they'll be like, so, so let's look at, and they'll study the stress response and cortisol levels. And, and they can see that the hormones and, and not, it's not the DNA itself that changes, but how it's expressed and a lot of these, you know, and, and it's different. But what I would say is that you don't have to have ancestors in the Holocaust to have epigenetic inheritance. It's in, it just makes, it's happening to everyone on a spectrum. And so that's what we're all carrying. And, and I think it is, it's great for some of us. It provides that uh, Western scientific evidence that validates something we already knew. And for others, it's a bridge to like, oh, I guess this stuff is happening. Well, yeah. Well, when people way back, uh, I say way back, like it was forever ago, like 15, 20 years ago, when you would say, or I would say something like, well, there's just, there's energy that we're picking up ancestral lineage, all of that. And people are like, what the heck? That sounds very woo woo. And is it legit? And what, what's that? And then as things progressed and then it's like, okay, now I understand whether it is my ancestors or not. I at least can see the emotions, the experiences I've had with my own family, my own connections, you know, who are alive now. And you can see those patterns, the psychology behind it, all of it, the emotions and everything that gets just passed down from generation to generation. You think about people that are abusive or in abusive situations and how those, the, you know, that says stop now, like stop the cycle, all of that. There's all, all things. But I think for me, it's not that I needed the validation, but I think for other people, I was excited to see it because there's that scientific piece that says now we can actually track this and see that it exists. Yeah. And, and for me, cause I was using that other language and because mm-hmm. I didn't, I was right. And when I, when I first started, you know, hearing guides, I wanted to drill them. I was like, <laughs> tell me how do beliefs and emotions get, I right, was like, yeah. and I got caught in all this weird, <laughs> you know, anxiety and like, I'm trying to listen to my guide. You know, I was trying to like get these answers that just had to emerge in time. What did but they say, by the way? The folk- <laughs> well, so well, it, so it has become the focus of my writing because what I believe actually, and some people allude to this, like um, Bruce Lipton has a book called The Biology of Belief. And I believe that, so that surface level of ancestral lineage and epigenetics, that's great. And that's a great bridge, but I do think it goes a layer beneath because we're not physical beings. So I do sense, and I've talked to some other healers, but that there's almost like an energetic DNA, like an energetic lineage. And that the, like what I would call like the core material of trauma, like the substrate is like, uh, is, is beliefs or like belief energy. I, I just use the word energy cause I don't know what else to call it, but I sense that belief conditioned beliefs about ourselves, others in the world are passed down and actually wire the nervous system and the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, emotions or like emotion energy is always is associated created and vibrates at the same level as the belief. So like if the belief is the world is a scary and threatening place, the emotion energy 
the fear and then you know um the the neuroscience of it like the brain scanning for uh, being hypervigilant and scanning for danger and threat like it all molds together and we would just call that like trauma symptoms but i sense that at the root is are these beliefs which a lot of people talk about a lot of you know woo people or whatever talk <laughs> about change your beliefs or whatever and it doesn't necessarily get very far because it doesn't have a, a great bridge to what people are learning in other fields. But I sense that maybe we'll get there. We're definitely not, that's not where the research is now because a lot of it is just, you know, slowly showing, well, we can see the epigenetic changes in the stress, you mm-hmm. know, things that are still mm-hmm. measurable in the physical realm. When you start to talk about, I do think underneath that is is an energetic realm. And that's, and in quantum physics, you know, in physics, like everyone acknowledges it, but it's hard to, you know, translate that. Yeah, there are theories. Well, to clarify, when I said DNA, I didn't necessarily mean our physical DNA. I meant our spiritual DNA and our unique resonance. Oh, you that did? yeah. So each of us, when yeah. we have each of us, I've said this before, have our own unique resonance. And that unique resonance, only we bring it, just like our physical DNA. And no, no other human being, no other spiritual being has it, which was is what makes us so unique and coded. But that's what we bring, that wisdom, that inherent knowledge, that knowing our emotions. We we pull all of that energy. So if you think about the bodies, physical, mental, spiritual, um, emotional, all of it is what creates our spiritual DNA and our essence. And so that's what that energy is, our soul that's passed along, is what I think. No, I, I love that. I love that. And hearing that when I heard that for the first time. You can use it for your book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank if you, you want. I'll, I'll cite you. I'll okay. cite you. There we go. Um, that was, it made sense to me because I was like, okay, this ancestral lineages stuff is great. But on some level, are we just saying that that's random or we just got dropped into these lineages or it's all about ancestry? Like if we're souls, you know, if we have a karmic inheritance, you know, how does that and then there's astrology and all kinds of things that I'm interested in. But for me, I like to see how they weave together. And it made sense to me that on some level, the ancestral, you know, physiological um, inheritance was a manifestation or a, or a projection of the energetic uh, DNA and karmic lessons that, that we, we came here to learn in this life. And our soul contracts. Yeah. Yeah. So like the ancestral lineage is a manifestation of that contract. And then, you know, and then even in this life, the traumas that we experience, you know, are in some ways reenactments of, of it. So, so what I'll say to people is like, we don't have to go digging for suffering. Like, yes, there's all this stuff, but like, what's going on now? Because it's always going to be reenacted in your current circumstances. And so like, I don't feel I need to go digging into people's ancestry or, you know, it's all going to, because whatever is meant to show up and to be with and to move through, it's going to be showing up right now or five minutes ago or, you know, um, today's like the full moon and there's lots of emotion and, and old thinking patterns coming up in me. It's like, so I, I really try to stay as present with it as possible because, yeah, all that stuff reveals itself to us. How do you, so with all of that, the information you've been getting and you've, you've now been sharing both the intuition and then the psychology piece of it, where do you see this going? Like, and I know that's a big question, right? But do you see yourself continuing on that intuitive piece and aspect of the psychology or where, where, how's it growing? I guess, cause I'm getting led to ask you that question. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question. So again, I keep, <laughs> I'm wondering the same thing. You know, I think a lot of the, the guidance that I, I get is that I, I'm 
really just meant to to go with it and experience and open with it that I, unfortunately, I'm not going to get all the answers ahead of time as to where it's going, but I do get visions of, I was, you know, I'd worked for a long time just individually and, and I still do that. I, I do it virtually. And because I, well, my journey was like picking up from Chicago where I'd lived for 10 years and driving intuitively without a place to live and really no plan at all across the country to California where I, where I live now. And that's a whole other story, but, but I was still connected to working with people one-on-one. I, I like it. And, and it was the only sort of opportunity to, to serve that I, that was coming my way until I started hearing that I was really meant to, to start um, creating workshops and working with groups and larger groups of people. And that, that I keep seeing myself on stages and that really uh, I sense is where this is going, you know, and there's other things. I started a podcast and, you know, um, I'm writing that that's, th- those are things that I, I heard and was guided to as well. But the, the group work um, felt really important. And since I'm here in Pasadena, that's where I started reconnecting to in-person spaces. So I, I held my first retreat last weekend in Joshua Tree or two weekends ago. Thanks for the invite, by the way. Just kidding. <laughs> Next Are time. Are you close by? No, but I would love to go to Joshua Tree. Oh, next well, time you're invited. sign me up okay you're, sign you're, me up next time all right you're you're invited yeah you're invited i'm i'm gonna i already have plans for the next one and um you know really just connecting with the community out here which you can be a part of <laughs> and uh because i i you know i had some close friends in the midwest and all my family's on the east coast where i grew up but i I was becoming very different and I was already different, but I was becoming drastically different. And and it was cool at first. It's like, yeah, like Daniel's doing this. We should go to his workshops and stuff. But, you know, at a certain point, the guidance was like, you need to go and align with people who are growing maybe in the direction you're, you're going. So I started, you know, to make some friends and just being here in it and develop these workshops and stuff. And, um, you know, uh, another part of like that question, which has been something I've had to navigate is I was getting so much information, like, cause my, and my brain was always this way. Like I, you know, it's very heady and I had to move down into the heart and, and be with my emotions. And, um, but I was getting so much information and I needed an outlet for it. And I thought maybe it would come through my work, but a lot of people don't need to hear all that stuff. Really, <laughs> Like a lot of people, a lot of what people need to heal, uh, heal is not all the sort of like, you know, studies on epigenetics or whatever. If they're interested, if that's where they're guided, great. Like someone I worked with who had no interest in spirituality at first, just one day came to me, he's like, what do you know about Reiki? Like I, <laughs> I just, I started using it and I think it's great. And I was like, I love that because his guidance started leading him to the entryways that we're going to, and, and that's really, it's not about doing everything I did. So I see that like, I need channels for what's meant to come through me, like my writing and, you know, people, you know, I interview on the podcast, I'd, I'd love to, to have you on. And, um, you know, and, so there are those outlets for all of that other stuff that are like cool conversations, but then, you know, it needs to meet people where they're at in the workshop space. And and when I'm speaking to groups, what I really do is I just channel and I don't really prepare what I'm going to say. Like I used to do PowerPoint slides and all this stuff for when I was, you know, in training. And then 
another healer was helping me, it's like, yeah, you're not doing that anymore. Like you're not preparing <laughs> for these things. You're meditating. So I just, I meditate and then I show up and it's a little scary, but it comes through what, what's meant to come. And I trust that what comes through is meant for them. And, um, and so it's that it's growing into this, these spaces, these group spaces where I'm showing up, I'm channeling and I have some other things that have developed. So a lot of what I do is I, I feel one of the, the Claire things for me is my voice. And so, um, that my voice helps people, um, particularly in like meditations when I'm guiding them and they just tend to have more experiences that I started to have in meditation prior to maybe other experiences where they weren't, um, experiencing some kind of some opening. And so that's part of it. But yeah, it's definitely still being written. It's definitely, uh, again, I, I see maybe maybe a clinic of my, I don't even know if I would call it a clinic, like a healing center or something, or being on some kind of land where it's really an optimal environment for healing that for me personally and for the people that are invited to be there with me and probably, yeah, just just speaking to, to large groups. And I don't know, maybe doing this and writing and, but we'll see. Well, it's all being written. Yeah, no, I, the reason I was feeling led to ask is because I was seeing definitely the integration between the psychology and the tu- and the intuitive aspect of things and how that's like kind of pulled through because there's a powerful element of being able to, I don't want to say diagnose or define because we talked about that before, right? But to be able to help kind of uh, guide people and direct them when they haven't had a safe space or a safe place to say, Hey, I hear voices or I feel these things or these, all these things are happening to me. I've tried all the whatever. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking to be healed on all levels. What does that look like? And there's a bridge between that, that again, I feel you are and what you do is, is an essential, it's a gap that you're filling that's essential, at least from my perspective. Yeah. And yeah. And so to come back to sort of like the content of your question is, yeah, I do see myself as a bridge like that. That was coming through pretty clearly, even in the, even in the name I Mm -hmm. chose because I struggled with it. I didn't want to call myself a psychologist, but I could see people are like, no, but you earn that. And it does, it does create an opening for people who, you know, who resonate with that. So, um, yeah, so intuitive, psychology. And all that really means to me is that it is a bridge between worlds. And um, I'm still discovering all of what it means to me and in, in, in all the sort of paths that I'll journey down and, and that are interesting to me to explore. And yet at the heart of it, I think it is creating access points for a an expansive view of trauma as I, as it, as it, it has come to be known by me um, and that for those who are ready to receive it, will receive it at that frequency and resonance and create an, yeah, create an expansive world of healing, which doesn't necessarily have to happen in like uh, uh, doctor's offices or the places that I used to work um, and can, yeah, just create more opening in different entryways. Like I've recently been exploring plant medicines and I used a little bit of that in my retreat. And, um, that's also blown up and it's a super buzzy thing. And I have my own feelings about it, but, but it's, 
but um yeah it's just creating an opening for see to to see what's meant to come for what what my you know contribution is meant to be to this incredible um expansive field of healing and it's old ideas and new ideas and just um language that that is is accessible for for our individual minds yeah, helps things resonate with people, I guess, right? Again, with that bridge is what I was getting. I know this is kind of a big question for the end, but how was your healing journey? So once you started moving more into your intuition and those types of abilities, how quickly or what happened for, uh, for you medically and on a physical level? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Because we didn't ask, we, we we glossed over that. We started with it. Yeah, we glossed over that whole part. Yeah. And so it was like 10 plus years that I was suffering and I was getting like increment percentages better, but there was still at the root of it really. And this is what a lot of people in this field of like mind-body medicine, um, it's based on the work of Dr. John Sarno, uh, who wrote a lot of books about healing back pain. Actually, I have one next to me written by Howard Schubiner called Unlearn Your Pain, like know these people and they're great people. Um, and a lot of their work is also about accessing, you know, the repressed emotions and trauma, but they don't want to have basically nothing to do with spirituality. So when I start, I'm on this big listserv with all these famous, and I started writing like, you know, well, what about this energy and ancestral? And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, cool. Anyway, back to the research <laughs> on, you know, because they're, a lot of the doctors, they're just getting used to the words trauma and I'm, my brain's already going off in these other directions. You're already like light years ahead. Yeah. But, but because that's what was working for me, like I had a lot of these tools, this somatic experiencing and trying to, you know, get the trauma of the body to speak. And, you know, I'm reading Bessel van der Kolk's, you know, body keeps the score. Like there's a lot of, it was a lot of good material within the traditional field, but I think I had to be very honest. And although I love the ideas, it just wasn't enough for me. I was still getting sick. And so when I started opening to that intuitive path, when I could feel the energy flowing through, it was very physical. I could like feel this authentic, vibrant, playful, joyful self reemerging that had been so closed off. I had been lifting heavy weights, like my arms are really big, but my heart was so closed over. I was like, I had no softer tools. I had no way to dance with my experience and it was, and actually reconnect with my, with my feminine nature, with, you know, the sexuality within me that was walled over by, you know, more traditional masculine ideas. And, and stepping into that, it was, it was this awakening or reawakening to parts of me that had been totally walled off. And so, you know, it was, it was still ebb and flow and a lot of people in pain, like, I'll share this because you'll have moments where it's like, you know, you feel saved, you feel, you wake up and, and, and then, you know, in the cycles, like the cycles of the moon and the cycles of all lessons we're meant to learn, it comes back to continue teaching us to, to get at the roots and the tendrils of the fear conditioning and the doubt really, which is what is maintaining, you know, to speak to like the, the wired neural pathways in the brain, continuing to send signals, stress signals of pain at, at underneath that are these roots of fear and doubt that we're not really capable of healing, that we're not, that we will have to struggle with this for a lifetime. And, and then, you know, deeper roots of unworthiness. And, and so it's that level of beliefs. And for me, with the conviction of starting to heal physically or experiencing this opening, 
the conviction that I was worthy and, you know, had so all the conviction started to grow. The beliefs started to change. I could say, a lot of people like to say the nervous system or the brain started to rewire, which is cool. It sounds good, but I think it's what's happening, but it's a correlate to, you know, experiencing this opening and these beliefs changing and, 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 you know, it, it was manifest, like I was changing my lifestyle a lot. Like I, I, you know, so I eat all plant-based and I do a lot of fasting and you know, sober, although I don't really use that word. Um, but I think I, I'm hesitant to talk uh, sometimes about the lifestyle changes because people get really attached. Like, oh, so it's the kale. It's the kale that like healed you. And so I just got to be obsessed with diet. And it's like, no, there's, there's it's lots a balance. of things. And they're great. They, it's a balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they support you. Like they support me, but the healing, the healer is within. And so from those energy-based meditations and stuff. And, but I, I mean, there were periods where I was, I felt laid up on the couch for like, you know, a month or two at a, at a time because the healing was so, it was intense. It was just like the rest of my life, but I had a different framework for it. It was, you know, my, my, like on a cellular level, I could feel my nervous system was upgrading, but I needed a lot of rest. I, I, I just, I have a finely tuned instrument of a body, which is something another healer said to me. And, <laughs> um, so I still, it's like, I, that label, that medical label has, I have no use for it. It doesn't resonate with me at all. Cause I don't, I don't experience that. I also don't really experience depression anymore in the way that I use. It's not to say I don't experience sadness or emotion energies, but what we came to identify with in those, that's my experiences qualitatively shifted, like a deeper sense of power and conviction and, and way to understand what it's not to say it's not humbling any time that I get sucked into emotion energies or thinking patterns. Just just yesterday, leading up to this today, like I was in it, but but I have a morning practice and I come back to it. I'm in my body is the healthiest it's ever been. I mean, I I needed to. There was gut stuff too. I was healing a lot of gut issues, but yeah. So it just it happened. It all happened so aligned and parallel in the sense that as the body, the physical cellular healing was taking place, the intuitive awakening was happening. I was making choices in my, that were changing my circumstances. So it's all connected, like the exposure to, as the frequency upgrades, the nervous system rewires, what is manifesting in our circumstances that is no longer resonating, changes, people, places, and things start to fall away or come in, opportunities, books you see on the shelf that you'd seen before, but now you are interested in, everything starts to manifest from the frequency. So that's just what's happening. Now I'm speaking to you from an apartment in Pasadena where, you know, like a year, I remember I I moved in January, you know, and I was in an apartment in Chicago and I just couldn't have possibly uh, known what was going to happen in terms of the circumstances, but it was led by, well, this body thing is pretty important and that, (laughs) so I'll just keep doing what, but, but I needed that conviction because I let go of everything. I let go of a full caseload. I didn't have, like, I wasn't, I didn't have much money at all. I, you know, some days I was just laying on the couch, like, is this really what I, I feel so lazy and productive? But the the reinforcement, the support from my guides, from healers I was working with, from, you know, from learning about other, how other people's journeys unfolded, that like, this was how the body healed, kept me going and still, still does. 
Well, amazing. And I'm glad that you are. Well, it sounds like even though you're still having some experiences, for the most part, you're in that 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 frequency and that vibration and that state that's allowing you to just continue to heal and progress both spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally, which is a great place to be when you also recognize sometimes those past experiences and or emotions that, at least for me, sometimes would pull me back. But now when that you know, sadness or physical stuff too pops up. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is the now. I'm experiencing this now, but now I'm going to just be in gratitude for it, recognize it, but I no longer want it and I'm releasing it. And most people are like, eh, is that true? Like, can that actually be done? Yes. It takes some time to get there. It's not an easy journey to get there or practice to necessarily get there for some, but it is possible. So I'm glad to hear that. What else are you feeling led to share with the listeners or what did we not? I know we had a lot we wanted to talk about, but do you feel like we covered a good portion of it? I think we covered a good bit, but I will I will just comment on what you said, mm-hmm. which is that, yes, we continue to get pulled down into the space, those old, because that's the, that's the test, so to speak, is to see if we recognize really what, what I feel where I'm guided is that is all of this is recognizing the truth of what we are, that the truth of what we are is not the, the waves of emotion or, or even the conditioned beliefs. And it's, it's when we can shine the light source of consciousness, that expansive state, when we can feel that and shine that, even when we're getting pulled down by these tumultuous waves, that's when things rewire. That's when things, re- because when, when things are going well, it's like, yeah, healing is awesome, <laughs> you know? But it's when we get challenged and it's when, because when I will work with people and it resonated with me, when you get really pulled down by pain or whatever it is, um, it's like candy for the traumatized emotions and beliefs. So like you'll go right to hopelessness and despair and suicidality if that's where you already, and people attach it to the pain. It's like, well, this is why I'm suicidal. And I'm like, uh, let's pretend that the pain was gone. Do you think that all these emotions would be gone? And, and a lot of people can be honest and be like, probably not because those things were wired already and pain sucks, but we, but what, but what elicits in response to it, that's the stuff that we're healing. And so it's not so much that you need to change the symptoms themselves, but you can watch your reactions to what happens when you get pulled down into whatever it is, challenging emotions and beliefs and be like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I'm meant to see if I can, yeah, see if I can stay in a higher frequency. And you know, it's a dance and it's tough for all of us. So we do our best. And sometimes we just need to be with it and go to sleep and, and trust that, you know, we'll wake up tomorrow and keep practicing. But but it really is about waking up to uh, a more expansive truth that's, that in states of blissful meditation or under the influence of a plant or something, we can see so clearly, but we don't get to take those experiences with us. We really have to come back and practice in the day uh, in the day in and in day out, like when we get triggered and see if we can gradually stay. And, and you, and what I'll say and what I feel is that the places that we'd been visiting can become energetic homes and the places that had become so comfortable and wired and familiar. Like for me, it was sadness, um, can become places that you visit, but it no longer resonates really at that place right. you're living at. So, 
Um, yeah, something that really clicked with me one time was, and I don't know why I didn't recognize this before, but you know, you find out what you need to at the right moment was for whatever reason, for a long time, I thought, okay, well, as I'm going through my spiritual journey, I'm just like doing this upward trajectory. It's not that you're not going to slip back down. Right. But that you feel like, all right, I'm going up and then I'm not going to, um, you know, have any slips, but really what was explained to me, uh, through also my guides and angels is it's more like a pendulum, like it swings back and forth versus an upward trajectory. So when a lot of people, if you're out there wondering, Oh, I've taken steps back or, Oh, I'm back here again. Don't think about it that way. (laughs) It's really about you having a moment of recognizing, ah, I'm no longer there anymore. Right. Like you said, it's a place you visit. It's not a place of permanence and it's giving you that opportunity or universe and spirit is giving you that opportunity to say, Hey, thanks, but no, thanks. I no longer want this. And if you do want it, then that's fine. That's your choice. It's free will. But at the end of the day, my perspective is that that's why it's showing up again, not because you've slipped or you're taking steps back, but because of that meaning in that moment. Yeah. And, um, I think as Eckhart Tolle writes, we're all entitled to our suffering. We're, we're, we're invited to stay there if we'd like, but we don't have to. And it's like, you know, it's like people investing in stocks or cryptocurrencies. Like, don't look at the charts every day. You know, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Zoom out. You know, you invested. Um, in this case, it's your intention and your commitment and your awareness. And over time, ideally, I uh, can't speak for stocks and other stuff, but in the healing path, you are, you, you, you are being guided. You are being guided to your essence, um, to remember what you are, which is, you know, not to be suffering and in pain and attached to these conditioned beliefs of lack and separateness and all that stuff. Well, thank you so much for being on. Where can people reach you? Yeah, I guess the best place is uh, either my website or Instagram. My website is drdanielatkins.com. And the Instagram is uh, drdaniel underscore Atkins. And yeah, I have some others. I make some content and other stuff. You also have a podcast, which is Be the Vessel. Yeah. So, so um, let's not forget about that. So if, you, if I'm taking another sabbatical, which I hope I never do, guys, because that was awful, uh, listen in on Daniel's podcast. Yeah, that, that, I use that phrase a lot because I really feel like we are, uh, we are vessels for the medicine to flow through. And it, it helps, uh, it makes life... Um, it, it alleviates the responsibility that we need to figure all this out. We don't, we're just, we're channels allowing it to flow through, but yeah. So I, I, I get to interview um, wonderful people in the alternative healing space, people like yourself. And, um, and that's been fun for me. It's just been a, a nice outlet. So, and yeah, yeah, a lot of my writing is, I, I still write a lot of blogs and that's on my Uh, website as well. Great. Well, I will definitely link it in the show notes for everybody. And I just want to say thank you again for being on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at a psychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about? or have a suggestion for a future guest, send an email to contact at a psychicstory.com or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. 
If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychicstory.com when you do, because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win. 